0: messenger that's been sent to India, and a campground ministry that he has while he's here in the States, and he's busy about sharing this message of rescue, so you hear him gladly. God's people said, Amen. Amen. You just saw a video of what Christ Cares for You is all about. Christ Cares for You is me and my wife Terry. We do have a board of directors, of course, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit religious charity, charitable organization. Um, and just saying all that, um, I we were here from 2004 to 2008 here in Hidnight as pastor at Hidnight Baptist Church for those four years. And in those four years, uh, your pastor was my best friend, still is my friend. But we, were, we just hung out a lot together and uh, just prayed and sought God together. And I appreciate him. And I know you do, church, right? You appreciate Pastor Mitch. So I'm um, just thankful to be able to be here with you again this morning, Terry and I, and just to share with you a little bit about what God's doing. On the bulletin that you have on the front page, or on the inside of the front page, the top of it says, let's praise God for what He has done. Amen? And we want to praise God because, listen, you and I, Pastor Mitch, we can do nothing. It is all the work of Christ. Amen? And so He deserves all the glory. He gets all the glory. For He alone is worthy of all the glory. But we just want you to take a look at that. I'm not going to go through that today because all of you can read that and just praise God with us. For what we have seen him do in uh, through Christ Cares For You ministry in 2019. Uh, but I do want to just share briefly some of these things with you so you do know how God is at work. Uh, I pastored for 18 years. And um, uh, during that time I was taking short-term 10-day trips every year taking teams to India. And about six years ago, on top of the mountain in India in Chatur, God spoke to my heart. And he said, I want you here on a more... Uh, more time than just ten days a year, and so I told him, "Well, I, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but you got to tell my wife because she got to come with me." And so, uh, come home and told my wife, "And listen, God's good with giving us wives, Amen." And uh, my wife, as always, if the Lord's called us, He's not just called me, and He hasn't just called her, but He calls us together, Amen. That's how you know it's of God. He calls both together. And so, um, in 2018 was the time that we. Um, Stepped out of the church, I stepped out of the pastorate, and Terry stepped away from the school system, and uh, we sold everything we owned, and uh, stepped out uh, on faith, as God had called us, and so we walk by faith each day, and I can tell you our God is sufficient, and He is awesome. Uh, But in that we um, we in America, we stay in America six months out of the year, and we live in a camper. Uh, we're living in a camper right now. Our furnace went out for about 10 days in January, and that was a real cool month, but we're campers, amen. So anyway, we live in a camper, and uh, everything we owns in the camper, and, and uh, we go to campgrounds. God gave us a heart that we are to go out to the people where they're at, church, and I'm going to get to that more in the message in just a minute. And so listen, campgrounds are full of people that do not know Jesus Christ. Have you ever made this statement, honey, we just got to get away for the weekend? You ever made that statement? Y'all ain't going to admit it in the house of God today, but you know you're guilty of it. We just got to get away. What do you got to get away from? The stress and the worries of this world? Yeah, y'all, I'm just going to preach right here. Listen, the stress and worries of this world, right? We got to get away. But if you get away for a few days, what do you do? You go right back to it, right? And God has given Terry and I such an opportunity to go into campgrounds and meet people just like that. We just had to get away. Man, life life is rough. Life is is tough. We just had to get away. We just couldn't take it no more. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. If we have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, should we ever have stress, worry, and anxiety? The answer to that is no. The verse he's given us is 1 Peter 5:7. 7. It says, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The casting means to throw down adamantly with great intensity. And who are we to throw down to? Him, which is Jesus. And what do we to throw down? Our cares. In the Greek, it has three words that means care. It means this. Stress, worry, and anxiety. Listen stressful. If we work and we have anxiety, guess what? We sin, we sin, we sin. Because in all those three things, we are not giving all trust and faith. That's the Lord who can overcome anything that we can ever stress where you're having anxiety. Amen, church? If you want to debate that with me, I'll be free to come to lunch and debate that with me, alright? But listen, He cares for us. We're we're to give everything to Him, right? Trust Him with all things. But in campground ministry, we're able to share with folks who are distressed out and who have come to the campground to get away. Now listen, you don't have to go back to the same life you left. You can go back now knowing the Savior, Jesus Christ, that you can trust Him, put your faith in Him, and He can help you through every affliction, every storm, every tribulation in your life. But also in campgrounds, Terry gets to work with children there. We do kids club there at the campgrounds and uh, share with them uh, a craft and a Bible lesson and some recreation and just enter uh, enter into a relationship with them for the week or the weekend that they're there. And listen, so many of these kids are being raised by their grandparents. Their grandparents bring them to the campground to have some fun. And and Terry is real good. They get, she gets to know these kids, and these kids start opening up about their home life and and just the things they are going. Excuse me, things are going through. And uh, we we just appreciate the Lord's opportunity just to share his love and care in the campgrounds. We also do things in the campgrounds that people won't know that they're going to come to this activity and hear anything about Jesus. We have basketball tournaments, and and teenagers will come for a basketball tournament, never knowing they're going to hear about Jesus. But in between the, the games, we sit down and give them a bottle of water, and we talk to them about the living water. Amen? Talk to them about Jesus, and so here they are playing basketball, never know they're going to hear about Jesus, but that's our purpose, right, to share Jesus, and so we also do a marriage game for couples, or anybody remember the old newlywed game, back in the 70s, you do, same same setup. we ask questions to both spouses, and see if they get them right, those kind of things, we have some laughs, some fun, but afterwards, when we have a winner, we don't let anybody go home until we go through Ephesians 5. Biblically, how to be a biblical pastor uh, What a biblical church looks like How to reach out and evangelize Even in a country that it's illegal To evangelize And many of these pastors, 60 of them We are training, many of these pastors Every every week are Confronted in their own villages about sharing The gospel, many of them are being beaten Many of them are spending 2 or 3 days in jail Many of them are being fined Many of them are having property Seized because they will not quit sharing The good news of Jesus Christ Folks, they don't understand what persecution is. If you go home today and read Acts chapter 4, that's India today. That's what's going on with these pastors. That's what's going on with your brothers and sisters in India today. Many of them are having their lives taken because they will not quit sharing the good news of Christ. Many churches are being burned out. Many pastors are being executed in front of their congregations. These things are happening. And the government each month Especially these last six months of 2019. Each month the government has has put into place stricter laws, stricter things. We cannot hand out Bibles now in India legally, but we do anyway. We trust our Lord, amen? But it's against the law to do that now. What we have done for ten years and how we've done evangelism, how all had to change uh, this last six months. We've had to go in in the darkness of night. We've had to meet on rooftops. We've had to meet in secret in the villages for people who want to know about Jesus. And uh, we just praise God for all the lives that have been changed and influenced. Other things that we do there that you saw on the, on the slides is uh, Terry gets to work with children in these villages. Sometimes we, she has 25, sometimes she has 300 as you saw on that one picture. And uh, try to do a craft of 300 children, amen? Um, I get nervous during that time. But uh, these children are precious. We work with the low caste and under caste and backward people of India. And uh, these, these children, a lot of them may get one meal a day. Some of them don't get that. They go through the trash for food. The same with the widows, they get no help. They, they're just trying each day to, to get something that they can eat to provide for them. And so when resources available, we try to, try to help them out in those kind of things. We also minister to 100 uh, HIV AIDS children uh, born with AIDS. Their parents have died. They're being raised by, most of them, by grandparents. Most of them know they're never going to be cured with AIDS or any disease in India. You're, you're a, a, an undercast, and you have to go live in, among the other people that have the same disease you do. Leprosy colonies are there. Uh, AIDS is there. Um, but these children, we got to share about the hope uh, that you can have in Jesus Christ. These children know, just like their parents, they're going to die soon. And so for their life, their earthly life is just hopeless. There's, there's no hope. But listen, we're able to share with them about how Jesus loves them and that there is going to be a time of healing for them, that they'll have new bodies, that there will not be disease, will not be sickness. And listen, we've seen uh, 40 of those 100 come to know Jesus Christ in this last six months. There's also another ministry there that Terry is involved in, and it's called the Commercial Sex Worker Ministry. Everybody knows the short word for that is prostitution. You say, what in the world is that about? Well, in India, you, the ladies have no values. Girls have no value. If you're a boy, you've got the value. That's what they want to work with is boys. When you ask somebody in India, do you have any children? They answer it this way. I have one plus, two minus. In other words, plus is a boy. Minus is a girl. That's how they answer you if you ask them how many children they got. Listen, the girls have no value. So these ladies have little education. They have children. Most of them are married, but their husbands are abusive and alcoholics. They're not providing any funding to, to buy food for their children. So what do they do? The only thing they can at this point is they do prostitution just to get food for their children. But they don't want to do that. And there's about a hundred of these ladies, all Hindu when they started, who we would begin to teach them how to sew garments so they can quit the commercial sex worker business, and sew garments for a living to provide for their family. But the agreement was that every day you come for class, that you're going to hear about our true God, our living God. And they agreed to that. And so we we have also seen 15 receive Christ out of that. Literally 100 women have given their life to Christ through this ministry. And uh, we just pray for them as they, we just saw the guilt and the shame of their life be relieved from them through salvation in Jesus Christ, but oh, what a road they have now to travel. So pray for them in this new walk with Christ. And then also you saw a lot of handicapped and disabled people. Two years ago in Andhra Pradesh, in Markapur Andhra Pradesh, uh, the government said we got too many handicapped and disabled people, so they rounded them all up. They went and dropped them on a piece of property, just a field, no water, no electricity, no shelter, nothing. Drop these handicapped people who are blind, who are deaf, who have got loss of limb. The one guy in the crutches on the video, the bottom half of his body is in reverse. Uh, The one guy that was in front of him but down like a frog, that's the permanent state he is fixed in. He cannot straighten his legs, he cannot do that, so he walks like a, he does like a frog on his hands to get around. But God has provided resources from the states through different churches and people being led that we've been able to, to drill them two wells. We've been able to help them with shelter. They still don't have electricity yet. But, but listen, a hundred of those have already come to know Jesus Christ. And they said, is even before electricity, we want a place to worship God. Somebody provided a church building for them. So they've got a place to worship God on that property that once had nothing two years ago. So pray for those handicapped and disabled people. All right. Pray for the persecution of your brothers and sisters. Pray this coming Friday. I just ask that you make special prayer this coming Friday. Myself and two pastors are getting on a plane to go back to India just for a 10-day trip. We're going back to train these pastors in three seminary courses. And um, it's getting harder to get in the country. It's getting harder to get out of the country. And so uh, just pray for us there. Pray for us as we go into the villages as well to do evangelism. Uh, as, again, that is against the law and the persecution has become great. So just pray for us there. On our prayer card, there's our website. You can learn more and see more about what God's doing. We update it every month with pictures and a report. But you can go to our website and just hit the right heading. You can see everything about us. Okay, will y'all give me 20 minutes? What time does the rest of the Baptist churches get out? (laughs) Listen. This is hard on this is hard on a preacher, but that's used to preaching three or four hours now. So y'all really got to listen quick, because I'm gonna try to get it to you quick. All right, all right. If you will, I'm gonna let you stand up for a minute. If you will, turn to your Bibles this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter nine. And if you will, stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter nine, starting in verse thirty-five. It says, "And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching." the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we just ask now, God, that you would be glorified and lifted up. Once again, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit now would just continue to speak into our lives. God, pierce our hearts, open our mind and our heart that we may receive. God, your word, your instructions, Lord, that this text is not for the person on the pew across from us. This text is for every one of us that call ourselves Christians and believers in Jesus Christ today. And so, Lord, I pray that you challenge us, that you encourage us, strengthen us, God. Give us confidence this morning. And, God, if there be one here who truly doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, this morning, I pray, will be the day of salvation for them. Lord, do what only you can do by your power, by your authority, in this time, in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you something this morning. I want to share with you God's heart. What is God's heart? Keep your finger in Matthew 9, but turn with me quickly just to read these verses. Go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, let's look at what is God's word. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Aren't you glad today that everything is promised in the word of God has and will come to pass? Amen? He, he's going to, everything that's promised in the word of God, we can count on it. We can have confidence it will happen. He's not slack. He doesn't break his promises. Look what it says here. As men... Counts slightness, But is what? Long-suffering toward us. Let's just say this. Praise God that He is a patient God. Thank God that He's a long-suffering God. That He has never gave up on me. He's never given up on you. And He never will. He continues to pursue us. He continues to grow us. He continues to love on us and care on us. He says what here? That not willing that any should what? Perish. But that all should come to repentance. What is God's heart? That none should perish but all come to repentance. Turn with me over one more verse there to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Now this is future, of course, but we're still looking at what God's heart is. Revelation chapter 7. Look at verse 9. It says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. What is God's heart? That all tongues, all nations, all people, everyone. Jesus shed His blood for everybody. For those in the Middle East, for those in China, for those in Iran, for those in India, for those in the Ukraine, for those in in Nicaragua, for those in Guatemala, for those in the United States. He shed His blood for everybody. He desires that none should perish, but all come to repentance. Now let me ask you this morning, as we look at Matthew chapter 9, let me ask you this morning, is your heart the heart of God? That's an important question for us to evaluate in our life. It's an important question for us to seek God in because listen to me: As a believer in Jesus Christ, it means this, that I have died to myself, that is, my life is nothing about myself anymore, I've given it all up. I've given it all to the Lordship of Jesus Christ now that what? Dwells in me. When we get saved, who moves in? The Holy Spirit of God, right? So if the Holy Spirit of God moves in, we're to be surrendered totally to the Holy Spirit of God and His leadership. And if the Holy Spirit of God is living in us, residing in us, and He does, then He also has the heart of God, doesn't He? In the heart of God is what? That none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That all have everlasting life. So guess what? Your life and my life ought to be as a believer. Our heart ought to be that everybody come to know Jesus Christ. The people at our schools. The people in our workplace. The people in Walmart. The people at the grocery store. The people at the gas station. Your neighbor. Your family. Our heart ought to be that none perish, but all come to repentance. Let me give you a statistic. Statistics show this. That 95% of those who profess Jesus Christ. Never once in their lifetime. Share their testimony or the gospel with anybody. Did y'all hear that? 95% of the professed church. Never shares the gospel with anybody. Folks, how can we have God's heart if we're not sharing the gospel? 5% is sharing the gospel. We look at our world, we look at our country, and we say, oh, what a mess our world is in. What a mess our country is in. And we want to point fingers all over the place. But I want to tell you, if 95% had the heart of God versus the 5%, don't you think the world would be turned upside down? Thank you. Amen. It would be. It would be. Alright, so let's go through this. Listen quickly and I'll be done. Let's look at this verse. Matthew chapter 9. We are to follow the lordship and the example of Christ, right? As a believer, that's how our life should look. So let's look at what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter chapter 9 verse 35 it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Jesus went. Now, if you read the whole chapter of chapter 9, we find that it's been a day of ministry. Him and his disciples, this has been one day of ministry, chapter 9. And it began with him him, uh, forgiving the sins of the friend with the palsy that the four friends bring to him. He forgave him of his sins first. The friends brought him to get healed. Amen? But what Jesus did first is forgive the man of his sin. Now, why is that? Because that's the heart of Christ, isn't it? Because, listen, if we get healed physically on this earth, what happens? These bodies still die. So what's the priority? Our eternity. That's the priority. So we find in this day of ministry, starting in the the first of chapter 9, that Jesus first forgives a man of palsy of his sin. Then he heals him physically. We find that he goes then from there and he runs across Matthew, the tax collector, calls Matthew to follow him. Matthew does. We find that Matthew says, come to my house. And Matthew's, all his sinner friends are there. And they're eating together and the religious leaders are saying, how does this Jesus, how did your master eat with these sinners? And he says in those verses, he says, listen, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sick, the sin sick. Amen? That's why Jesus came. We also find the story there of the centurion's daughter that has died. And the centurion goes to Jesus and says, If you'll just come to my house and lay your hand on her, I know she will live. And he does that. We also have the woman with issue of blood for 12 years in this same day of events. And listen, well, we know her. You know, she couldn't leave her house without yelling, unclean, unclean. But on that day, she had to wrap herself up. She was bumping against people that she usually said, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But now she's bubbling up against them to get to the hem of Jesus' garment. And uh, she's immediately healed. But if you notice what he calls her, Jesus' first word is daughter. Daughter. Listen, how can you become a child of God? Only through being born again spiritually. Amen? So what was the priority of Jesus? Her salvation. And then it says, You've been made whole. Listen, she was healed. Holy, healed physically and spiritually. We, he also then goes and he's encountering two blind men, and they're healed of blindness, and two uh, and a man with the devil, and he's delivered. Now I say all that to say this this is the end of the day of ministry. And Jesus now says, Went about all the cities and villages. What are we to do? What does the Great Commission tell us to do? Go. Jesus went, where to go? Amen. Church, we're not living in the 1950s and 1960s anymore. Listen, when I was a baby boy, I was in church before I came out of the womb. How about you? But listen, so was everybody else. Why? Because everything was closed on Sunday. Right? Y'all with me? I know some of y'all are my age or above. Everything was closed on Sunday. So what did everybody do on Sunday? They went to church. Lost people went to church so they could be around people. But where are people at today? It's Sunday. It's in the 50s. Oh, it's a nice day. We might need to go to the mountains today. Nice day. Let's go take a picnic. Now I'm going to Medlin, I know. But listen, what is the heart? Why don't don't we obey what Christ is telling us to do? You see, we we can't have the right music and expect people to come to our churches. We can't have the best program and spend money on programs and hope that's going to draw people to come into the church house. We can't get a new pastor. Sorry, brother. We can't get a new pastor and hope people will come because we got a new pastor. No, we're not living in the 50s and 60s no more. Sunday's another day. So what do we have to do? Do what Jesus did. Jesus went. He didn't stay. He went to the cities. He went to the villages. And he tells us in the Great Commission to go. He didn't say, sit in the church house and they'll come to you. He said, go. Listen, church, do we have the heart of God? We've got to go. We've got to go to the people. We've got to go to the campgrounds. We've got to go to India. we we got to go to the, the Walmart. We've got to go to the restaurant. Who will you talk to Jesus about at the restaurant today when we get out of here? Who will you talk to? you got to go. Well, what else does it say? It says in verse 35 that he taught in their synagogues. Teaching here means what? Jesus discipled. He was a discipler. He taught about the things of God. He taught about the kingdom of God. He taught about the gospel. Of Christ that people needed, about Him being the hope. What does the Great Commission say? Teaching them to observe all things, right? To disciple them. To disciple them. Listen, isn't it interesting? Jesus went, where to go? Jesus taught, where to disciple? Teach them. What else does it say Jesus did? It says, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Well, the Great Commission says what? Baptizing Him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, baptism just gets you wet because it's just a testimony, right? It's the testimony of what Christ has already done when you've received the gospel. So, church, what are we to do? We're to be sharing the gospel. Let's be part of the 5%, not part of the 95%, okay? And let's change that percentage. Share the gospel. Now listen, i got to say this, because I've heard this too many times when I was a pastor, and even as we go church to church every service every week while we're in the United States, I hear this all the time. Well, I don't know how to share the gospel. I haven't memorized 12 verses, and I don't know the process of how to start leading somebody to Christ. Let me ask you something. In the book of Acts, when we read of the early church, did, the book, did, did they have this Bible you and I hold? Then how in the world did the church grow How how did anybody come to know Christ? Because they shared about how Christ had changed them. Amen? They shared their personal testimony. That's what they shared. They shared, let me talk to you about this Jesus who has changed my life. This is where I once was. This is how I come to know Christ. And now this is where I'm at with Christ. Folks, that's all we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just need our own testimony. And if you've been born again, you've got a testimony. All we got to do is share it. So he says here, he went, we're to go. He taught, we're, we're to disciple. He preached the gospel, we're to baptize. And then it says in verse 35, healing every sickness and disease among the people. Does Jesus still heal church? He does, doesn't he? Sometimes he doesn't heal us on this side of glory. Now if we know him, we're going to be healed on that side of the glory. And we don't understand why he heals some and why he don't heal others on this side. But that's not for us to understand because he has a sovereign plan. We're to trust him. We're to pray to him. See, our our following him in the healing issue is that we're praying according to his will and plan and purpose. That whoever we're praying for, that they be healed. We are to take on one another's burdens as, as Galatians 6 says. We're to share the burdens of our brothers and sisters. We're to lift them up in prayer. That God's will be done. So do you see? Do we have the heart of God? Quickly, look at this, verse 36. It says, Then he saw the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. How do you see people? We pass people every day, as the song just said. How do we see people? Do we see them with the eyes of Jesus? With compassion? In other words, compassion here means that when Jesus looked at the multitudes, he saw the effects of sin in their life. But notice that he didn't uh, that he immediately then didn't start judging them because of the mistakes they had made, because they had fallen into temptation, because of the effects of sin in their life. He did not begin to judge them, did they? But God help us as human beings. Usually, when we see people and when they have made mistakes, when they have fallen into sin, when they seem to be hopeless, as humans, a lot of times we rush to judgment and seeing them. Oh, help us, church. Help us, God, church, for the church to see people as Jesus saw them with a heart of compassion. Because, listen, no matter if you're homeless, if you're on drug addiction, and no matter what storm or circumstance in your life today, listen to me, Jesus is the answer. He is the hope. He is the remedy. And we should not judge people, but we should say, oh, let me share with you Who can deliver you from where you're at right now? Let me share with you who can heal you, who can reconcile you to a holy and righteous God, who can give you hope. Church, that's what we're to be if we got the heart of God. It's about helping them, not judging them. Helping them to know Jesus. He said that He had compassion on them because they had fainted. In other words, that means confused, hopeless, helpless, And they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Reminds me there, scattered, reminds me of my son when he was little. He used to walk around in circles as I sit on my recliner. I'd say, son, what are you doing? He'd say, I don't know. Son, what are you doing? I don't know. What was he doing? He was wandering. No purpose, right? That's when you give him a purpose, amen? Don't sit there wandering. There's a purpose. Listen, folks. People all around us, in our workplace, in school, in society. They're just wondering. They don't even know if they have a purpose in life. Why am I even in this world? Folks, this is where they're at. And all 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 they need is somebody to say, let me talk to you about Jesus. It's all they need. Quickly, I know, I'm about done. Listen. So we know these two verses, 35, 36. Now look at verse 37, 38. Jesus speaks. Boy, we need to pay attention. He says, the harvest truly is what? Plenteous, but the laborers are few. What happens to a harvest that's not reaped? Spoils, don't it? Spoils. Jesus says, the harvest is truly plenteous. Now, let's, let's look at that word plenteous a minute. What Jesus is saying here to his disciples is, is the Holy Spirit of God's at work. Amen, church? The Holy Spirit of God's always at work. Do you believe that? He's working. If we open our eyes, we can see it. But whether we see it or not, he's at work. And he's at work already in the hearts of people who are in hopelessness, who are confused, who are scattered. The Holy Spirit of God is already working in the hearts of your fellow employees, the people you go to school with, your, your neighbors, your family. He's already at work. That's what plenteous means, that there's already a, a, a work being done and the heart is ready to do what? Be harvested unto salvation. He's telling them that, and he's saying the laborers are few. In other words, listen, he's saying we only have 5% when we need to have the 95%. We only got 5% to go and reap a harvest of many, 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 many souls that the Holy Spirit of God has already prepared. See, the devil likes to tell us, oh, we can't go share the gospel. Oh, we don't know what to say. We don't know what the right words are. Listen, that's all the devil's lie. Because it's not my work of salvation. It's not your work of salvation. It is the work of God. But he wants us to be the harvesters. He wants us to be the planters. In other words, we're not saving the soul, but we are there to help that soul who has been prepared to take that final step. In this. Years ago, in Ellenboro, North Carolina, the last church I pastored, listen, I believe in praying. Lord, I'm going to go visiting. I'm going to pray. I don't know where I'm going to go. You show me where to go. Hey, Amen. We need to go where He wants us to go. Begin praying. Got in my car. Started driving. When I felt led by the Spirit to turn, I turned. And listen, I ended up in somebody's driveway. I had no clue who lived there. I said, Okay, Lord. Got out of my car. Went to the door. Guy, big, burly guy, opened the door. Looking at me. And he's bawling. I'm thinking, What did I just get into? Before I could even tell him who I was, he opened the screen door and he said, "I've been praying all day; somebody would come." I wasn't there more than five minutes, and I did nothing because Jesus was saving me. and he didn't know what to do. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Last verse, and we're done. Pray, ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth labors into His heart. Pray. Boy, don't we need to pray, church? Need to pray. Need to pray. Let me give you these two words. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will what? Send forth. Send forth. What does those two words mean? Listen. Send forth gives us an illustration of this. My grandpa had a huge garden. and When when I was little, anytime we went to grandpa's from spring to fall... He had a pair of his old work boots that I was supposed to put on his old work boots and I had to go to the field with him. Now I didn't want to go work no garden because if you pick green beans that wasn't over with. You had to go sit on the porch and break and string the green beans. It was a non-ending job. Do you know what he had to do sometimes? He had to send forth. What does that mean? It means that he said, come here, son. I was his grandson. he grabbed me by the back of my bed. And he put his other hand on my shoulder and you know what he'd do? He'd open the screen door, go put them boots on. What'd he do? He thrusts me out. That's what send forth means. Jesus is saying, disciples, the harvest is ready, labors are few, and I'm thrusting you out. Now, it may be today that Pastor Mitch stands at the door, and as you go out, it might be that he grabs you by the belt loops and thrusts you out the door. That probably wouldn't work, brother. But will Jesus do that with you and I today? Do we have the heart of God? If we knew, and nobody knows, but if we knew, if Jesus sent us announcement for the bulletin today that said, I'm coming at midnight tonight. I'm coming at midnight tonight. What would you, what, How would your plans change this afternoon? You'd cancel everything you got planned, wouldn't you? because you have a loved one in your family that doesn't know Jesus. You got a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. You got a child that doesn't know Jesus. You got a coworker that doesn't know Jesus. You got somebody that goes to school with you that don't know Jesus. But Jesus is coming at midnight. We would have an urgency. If we believe the word of God and know when he comes that those will be left behind. We'd have an urgency today if we knew he'd come at midnight. How do you know he's not The time is now. Do we know and do we have the heart of God? Today, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart all morning. Maybe you're part of that plenteous right now. I'm going to tell you, all you do is just surrender to Him. Surrender to Jesus. Maybe today He's showing you people... As we've talked about this in your mind. Maybe a loved one that you know that's lost. A co-worker. Listen you didn't think of that yourself. Holy Spirit of God has put that person on your mind. And he's saying. Be the sin forth. Go to that person. Today. Church Jesus is coming back. No doubt. I hope you are ready. To meet him first. And then second what about those around you. Do you have the heart of God. Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Spirit's word. And now I just pray that we'd be faithful, that we'd be obedient, God. If there's one here that's never trusted you as Lord and Savior, never surrendered their life to you, I pray right now they'd give you their life to you. They'd surrender to, <coughs> surrender to you, deny themselves, and follow you, and Lord. They'd come in obedience and share that with Pastor Mitch right now. But Lord, maybe we just need to come to this old-fashioned altar today. Pray for these loved ones that we know that does not know you. That we pray that God, you lead us with the time and the place to share.